And welcome into another post-game edition of Spits and Suds. So glad you can join us tonight. Unfortunately, it was a tough one to watch, but we're here for a reason. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fans. So happy to be joined by David Castillo of D Magazine. And David, my friend, how are you? I'm doing good. You don't give yourself enough credit for having a really quality radio voice, by the way. Oh, thank you. It's wow. like there's a real like there's a confidence there, but also kind of the sort of radio playfulness that that you sometimes. Yeah, like I, I think it's yeah, I've heard a few people, you namely, give me credit for a quote unquote radio voice. I'm like, you know, a radio voice, I think, requires like a proper silver tongue. Like, I don't have that. Like, it just doesn't flow the way it does um, for spittle for, for Dr. you know spittle what here. You made me smile and I appreciate <laughs> it. So that's going to do it for tonight. I'm Gavin Spittle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, listen, this was a much hyped game and it is just one game and we have to keep that in mind. Um, uh, however, just didn't seem like the legs were there. Just didn't seem I, I, I'm going to start with this and I'm going to express my opinion. And this is the great thing about having David and he can disagree with me and he can talk about what he wants to talk about. Absolutely love the guys that join us. David is a regular contributor. Robert Tiffin's a great contributor. Sean Shapiro, Craig Ludwig. Um, I saw it on Twitter, and I'm just going to say this. Yes, you would like your goalie to stand on their head in big games. However, I didn't feel as though like I'm watching. I'm like, okay, first goal, one-timer, no coverage. Second goal. Jake Ottinger makes three saves and then the puck finally goes in. I just felt as though the goals were more defensive lapses than the goaltending tonight. I'm not saying Jake Ottinger played his best game at all, David, but what I'm saying is, is sometimes you have to look elsewhere than your netminder. I think it's, it's easy to kind of look at Ottinger because broadly speaking, he hasn't had a great season. Correct. Um, but I agree with you. In fact, like, I don't, I don't know if people know this. The edge in high danger chances in the first period was 10 to 4 in Colorado's favor. Colorado with 10 high danger chances. That is, Those are chances right in the slot area of the ice, by the way. Mm. So 10 to 4 is just brutal. And, and yeah, like, I don't, you know, it's not just about the fact that a shot gets generated there. It's also about what that does for the goalie's psychology and, and the ripple effect that has when you're just when the team just has that much time and space to execute from essentially wherever they want at will. Um, so I, I agree with you 100 percent on that one. I think the other aspect just from a, a generality, David, is you saw the big players of Colorado step up and they are certainly elite. Kale McCarr, Nathan McKinnon, uh, Rantanen. You saw those guys, you know, shine tonight. Even their goalie was terrific. Um, and then I look at the stars and I'm like, okay, we had Logan Stankoven, who once again just played well and hustled all over the place. Wyatt Johnson, I think, played well. Um, and then after that, I just had a big question mark. And 
Um, you know, it shouldn't be that way. There should be situations where your best players truly shine. And especially when it comes to some veterans, I, I feel as though they need to step up in these situations and you know, it's the little things, David. And I know I'm very old school when it comes like this, when time's running down in the second period and you're getting your tail kicked in and an unnecessary check is thrown against one of your best players, Wyatt Johnston. And I am anti every check deserves a fight. But I think that's where you get a little physical and say, no, can't happen. You know, like, I, I don't know if you saw the uh, Matt Remp versus uh, uh, Delorier's fight the other day. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I won't lie. There's definitely a kind of this just like reptile brain sort of trigger that, um, that gets activated in response to kind of some of, the, some of that. And I think maybe that says a lot about like the team's mindset right now. Maybe not necessarily like long term, maybe the playoffs kind of wakes them up. But like, I do think there is something to be said for, I don't know, that not necessarily like an emotional investment. We, like we know that they care, of course. I think it's really a, a matter of like it says a lot about engagement. Right. And I think that's the part that you wanted to see. And um, yeah, it's it's telling that um, sort of nobody did engage. I thought the same thing. I was actually surprised that nothing happened because yeah. I like I it just on first watch, it looked like boring to me. It um, did not, not like intentional, like Gerard right. wasn't, I think it was Sam Gerard. It, like, it didn't look like, you know, he was, it looked like kind of one of those awkward plays, bad angles and sort of the end result was unfortunate, but nonetheless, th there was, <laughs> you know, Gerard was aiming for him. It's, it's not like he just like, oops, am I bad? No, no, no. He was, he was going in for the hit, got him, perhaps a little bit more than he might have thought, but it looked bad on first watch. And that's usually the response you expect. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And the third point I have is that, well, I have four points. Another, another <laughs> point is, is man, you really should win the central because I do not want to face Colorado in the first round. This is just a tough matchup. You're Owen three and you have one more game against them. Um, I think Winnipeg's a better matchup, but you know, you never know. So you, you do have control of your own destiny as far as winning. Winnipeg has a lot of games in hand, but I look at the quality wins, David, and I, I know that's something that like that's my own stat, so to speak. But I mean, I go back to January 23rd, a nice win in Detroit against the Red Wings. Um, and then I look at two wins against Carolina. Um, other than that, it's kind of been a struggle against, you know, teams, Boston lost Rangers lost. You can say that the stars, you know, outshot them and played better than Boston. I'd actually agree with you on that, but I mean, a loss is a loss. So I, I just look at throughout the year, the, the quality wins just haven't been there in, in big moments when you face, you know, uh, teams like the Avs, the Bruins, the Rangers on a consistent basis. Well, I think kind of adding to that, you know, it's like, you know, it's fitting that on a night when Nathan McKinnon in the top line, like really dominated, um, you know, one of the stories that that I, I've sort of that I feel deserves way more, way more highlight is just the lack of dominance from the top line. And yeah. we make a big deal about the depth as we should, like the depth is borderline historic at this point. However, you know, there's a reason why it, the Colorado was such a, a sort of almost kind of like a, a thesis against uh, Dallas's depth where 
didn't matter what Dallas or what Colorado had below them. You put Nathan McKinnon and co on ice for 26, 27 minutes a night. And this is what you get. And, and Dallas's top line. And keep in mind, I, I don't, I think, you know, Robert Tiffin had a really great article about Robertson's um, kind of newfound defense. And even though I think there's a larger story there about kind of maybe sort of, you know, what's maybe kind of like hidden beneath the numbers. Like I, I've already started kind of some film room analysis, kind of trying to work on a piece about that. And the funny thing is like, it, it really is there. So this is not like, oh, Robertson, Hintz and Pavelski are bad. It's no, as a group, that chemistry is not there. And I'll, you know, listen, like I'll go ahead and say it, man. I, Pavelski to me has, has finally hit that wall. People yes. don't want to say it because, well, hey, man, but but he's still producing. Production and performance are two different things. Um, and and I think he he's obviously a guy that still has value. Of course, I'm not trying to say that he's a bad player or anything like that, but he's in that bend phase where you really need others to kind of prop him up because he can't necessarily pull his own weight like he used to. And and I think that's honestly that's a big factor in kind of why that line is just doesn't have the chemistry it once did. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point, and that's what I love about doing the podcast is is that you know there has to be a maturity, and that's what I love what you said because you're right. I think you know the pucks aren't going in the net for Joe Pavelski, and the positioning just is you know there are a lot of things where you're just like oh wow this you know because of the age, so it it, it it's it's natural. I'm gonna throw another one out there. You know, similar to Pavelski because he's so popular. Uh, Miro Heiskanen, and I really, really like the player, David. Um, I just think, like, tonight's an example where um, I just saw, like, from... And I don't know if DeBoer, from a strategy standpoint, was as soon as you get the puck, get it out of the zone. But, you know, if you have the speed of, let's say, a Heiskanen, and a Thomas Harley. I mean, we, that was completely neutralized. We did not see them like carrying the puck for an extended period of time, rushing, putting the pressure on the forwards to get back for Colorado. It just felt like, you know, if it if it gets in the Dallas zone, get it out as soon as you can. And I just don't think since Miro coming back, I just, you know, I'm not seeing, you know, what I want to see of a, a player that, a lot of people thought had that elite quality. I think, I think that's like, I, I would agree. However, I would just say that, like, I think that's kind of, you weigh that against your expectation, right? For, and this is not like directed at you, but I think for most fans, Heiskanen's where the expectation is Norris. I mean, that was Heiskanen's own words, right? His campaign yes. early in the season was like, Hey, I'm, I'm gunning for that. And, and so I think when you think of Norris, you think of a player that, is is well-rounded but sort of you know gears towards offense and i think for heiskanen it's yes it's like the offense is is i don't think ever gonna it's just it's never gonna be there not on the level right. of like a macar that's like one thing um i think the other thing is like a little bit of not that i would ever reduce it to this but um i apologize for not knowing the name of the any of the broadcasters on espn because I, I just i don't I'm not, like I said, I'm tough, tough sell when it comes to broadcast, but even they were talking about high skin, talking about the trade deadline and anticipating certain moves. It wasn't high level analysis, but they still discussed getting high skin back to his strong side. And I'm like, even you get it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, 
I think Dallas will always have to kind of reckon with the fact, unless they do something about it, reckon with the fact that you, I mean, Kale McCarr doesn't play on his left side. Right. I mean, like, like I, I, and I get that, yes, Heiskanen is elite and he can play on his weak side, still be effective because he's so good, but that's different than leveraging his strengths, maximizing it to its fullest capacity. And so I think there's definitely a little bit of like, reckoning with the fact that, well, you have an elite defenseman that's not maximized positionally, that um, also isn't necessarily what you might want him to be, uh, which I think is okay because he's still an elite defenseman. But but I think in that context, yeah, you can say, hey, like Heiskanen, like, (laughs) um, you know, you have an elite partner now. Um, So so what's it going to be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a great point. I think let's see where he is at his maximum strength and clearly that would be on you like you said on the correct side and also how they make that yeah sorry real quick i do want to add something else that i think is kind of really sort of a funny wrinkle which is we all heard about sort of high school and working on his his slap shot in the off season can we just say like listen if if he had if he's been scoring goals with it like great but like who cares? Like that was never his strength to begin with. The fact yeah. that he's like taking more slap shots, like I, I not only do I not really care, but also he hasn't been particularly effective with them. He just kind of kind of bludgeons them the way you would expect out of like a hawk and paw. And <clears throat> excuse me, maybe he'll he'll get there, but it's not there right now. And so I, I, those feel like wasted opportunities sometimes. Yeah, I, I talked to Craig about that today, and that was actually you know one of the things that I brought up is is that. I understand it might be more of an old school mentality, but some teams do it. And I do feel as though it can be effective if you can have that big shot from the point at times and it can kind of create some havoc. And, you know, uh, especially if you're on the power play, it's an added weapon. And um, yeah, it's just not a star's philosophy. It seems like, you know, they just, they, they want to get it in front of the net with that wrist shot and, and hopefully it'll get tipped. Um, yeah. So if he was practicing it on the off season, it's certainly not being used and, uh, or if it is being used, it's just not effective. Well, not only that, but it's, it's, it's an odd thing to me because, uh, this is something that Fluto Shinzawa, who's fantastic, uh, Boston reporter at the athletic, uh, wrote about earlier in the season, which is, the decline of the slap shot. And of course, I think most people are kind of familiar with, you know, more or less the story, but um, you know, teams don't take slap shots anymore. And it's not just kind of showing up in the analytics. It's, it's easy to see why as well, you know, goalies just have uh, you know, can fight through vision much better. And of course, you know, the, the more time you give them to anticipate a shot, you know, the more effectively they're going to stop it. So I think that's kind of another thing that I just don't like, I, I think philosophically, which is, I don't want them I don't want to see them taking slap shots to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of talk about, you know, Colorado and whether um, Gorgiev can, you know, he might play 60 games this year and whether he'll get worn out and we'll keep monitoring it, but, you know, looked pretty fresh tonight. Yeah. Colorado, it's, I think sort of their, their strength and the reason why, and, and it's it's always easy to kind of get sucked into sort of quote, quote, the narrative, right? It's like, well, you know, hey, Vegas wins the cup. They're a big team, so you should be bigger. Colorado wins the cup. They're a skilled team, so you should be more skilled. Uh, the nature of number, right, number one goalies versus having like a tandem like Boston did last year. Um, 
And I think I think it's it's just largely up to the team specifically, and I think it's that tends to be team specific. And so, I think the reason why he works is not just because like he's a capable goaltender, but because Colorado doesn't you know really require their goalies to work a whole lot, right? They specialize in keeping the puck, maintaining it, and just not having to defend. So it's so it really it's it's a nice little uh, arrangement with their goalies that they have. You know, it's kind of interesting because, you know, you watch the game tonight and you're like, hmm, boy, that Andrew Cogliano, man, that's, <laughs> <laughs> it's just weird because I like, I don't, don't yeah, I know. I, do, I just don't remember Cogliano. Like I, I remember as a good player with the stars clearly, but I mean, I, I don't, you know, I don't remember like his effectiveness like he was tonight. I mean, so what I'll say to that, because this was like something that I just uh, something that just kind of broke my brain um, at every turn during the Hitchcock era, the bonus era, even the first Montgomery year, which is that, um, yes, I would say this is a little bit of like an accident and sort of a Cogliano just kind of getting hot for for one night, because I think before then, right, it'd been like 14 games until he had a goal. Uh, But um, but. Cogliano is now in a system that leverages his speed. Uh, he never, like, he was never like a goal scorer, but he, I remember thinking he always had a really good shot, um, uh, you know, mid, mid flight. And so, anyways, you have a system that really leverages that. So, Cogliano in a system that is telling him, hey, uh, I need you, even if we have possession on the four check, I need you going back to the neutral zone. <laughs> that kind of, that sort yeah. of that trap, you know. So the system definitely makes a difference. It's not like always the case for all players, but I, I definitely do think that um, we saw a little bit of what could have been with his speed and at least some shooting ability, especially for a depth player, but it was never going to be uh, unleashed the way it was in Colorado. Yeah. I think I also want to point out to stars fans games like today. I don't think force Jim Nils hand to pull the trigger. Um, GMs do have a calmness about them for the most part, you know, um, the, the, I mean, they're passionate about winning, but it's not like, oh my God, we lost five to one. Here we go. We have got to make a trade now. So, um, you know, I'm sure they're working the phones and I'm sure, you know, they're seeing what's out there, but the question is, David, you know, what are you willing to mortgage as far as how deep you want to go in? Because you certainly have a little bit of draft capital, but clearly you don't want to touch your top three prospects. Um, at least I don't because, you know, someone like passed me at work today and said, how about that stank open? And I'm like, yeah. And if you like him, here comes Bork. You know, that to me, that's my philosophy. It's it's one of the uh, so I, I had an interview with uh, Jack Hahn uh, over there, at my uh, my sub stack. And it was the one thing that Han seemed to be really bullish on, which was star the Dallas, you know, the Dallas Stars as a legit con- contender. Um, yes, for who they are now, but also for the fact that you don't have many contenders that are going to go into the postseason who would just be like, you know what, let's just bring bring one of our elite players up and they'll make a difference the way they have with Stankoven. And, you know, it's it's crazy to me because, like, I, I've – I listen, I wrote back in September, Stankoven is NHL ready. 
Um, I feel the same way about Bork. And honestly, like I felt the same way about uh, Bixel until like the, the last week. It seemed like he kind of struggled. You, know, you could argue maybe his head was somewhere else. And, and yes, yeah. there's the whole thing with like going to Sweden and whatnot. But I mean, watching them just dominate the AHL, uh, this is like a, a thing that it, it's almost kind of like a second deadline that Dallas has. And I think if, if you're looking for optimism not that i think we're being negative i think you know we're just we're reflecting and making observations about a game that dallas got crushed in <laughs> you know i mean yeah. there's there's rarely going to be positives except of course you know the prospects they have and i i think my thing is well are they going to leverage it because this is not like the year dallas went to the cup and technically had access to jason robertson yes they did but what are the chances like you know robertson was going to be put on the top line where he it could have made a difference. And what are the chances that Robertson would have been especially effective at that time? This is not that. Bork, Stankoven, Bixell, plenty of AHL experience. Um, and in Bork and Stankoven's case, they have dominated the AHL. Um, uh, and, and so they really are aces of Dallas's sleeve, you know, for for you know, pardon the pun. But um, so, so I'm really curious if they because you have to ask yourself a question, right? Are we a better team with Stankoven and potentially Bork with them on the roster? And if they are, well, then where's your philosophy of win now? Now, yeah. do you genuinely believe that, or? Well, I didn't know why. Well, I think Stankoven has certainly made that case, and the comfort level that he's had, and. You know, like someone said, maybe it's adrenaline, you know, you know, we'll see. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, I didn't say anything at the time, David, but I was, I was like, no. <laughs> I mean, if you watch the guy's career and you watch him in juniors and then you watch him, I mean, to me, one of the biggest leaps in hockey is the junior level to the AHL. And I think that's where you truly see. And like, there was no hesitation. And so dominating in the AHL. I mean, we all know the first half of last year, Maverick Bork didn't have the greatest start, but after the all-star break just came on blazing to the fact that he was called up during the playoffs, um, didn't play, but he was called up. And so to me, I think they would be better with Bork on the roster. I know that people might say, well, you know, they, the star, what are they going to do? The stars have great center depth. Well, at some point you have to say, is that depth better than the person that I have coming? And I think some are, but I think some, you probably have to make some room for Maverick Bork in the off season. <laughs> by the way, I, I'm still kind of floored by the comment, uh, sort of no judgments to your, um, <clears throat> coworker. Was is that, uh, Oh no, no, no. I, I'll tell you off. <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm okay. not gonna, I'm not, no, this was, this was someone's genuine thoughts. So let me, let me just say, like the, I mean, I think for, that's an argument you could have made for Alex chase on who, who really just got lucky breaks and that's why we got hyped. Um, yes. Stankoven, you know, this is not just a player that has like produced at every level. This is a player that performs on a shift to shift basis. I mean, you're not going to find many forwards. This is one of the reasons why I'm like such a hype man for Stankoven, um, because you're not going to find many forwards who excel on the rush and on the forecheck. 
and then also have the talents in addition to finish plays to make plays um, to continue it and to just flat out control territory. You're just yeah. not going to find many Fords like that. And uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, this is to me, this is why I the kind of like um, Logan Stankoven semicolon or colon elite uh, thing is, is something I like post on Twitter because I don't often get that sort of get that feeling. And first it was with Thomas Harley. Now it's with Stankoven because I just, they also have, that physicality that players need to sometimes just jailbreak plays. You know, nothing's ever perfect from game to game, and you need that physicality. I mean, we've seen this with Robertson, right? You know, especially like Robertson in the playoffs last year. Um, you know, you really need that that sort of that kind of <laughs> that sort of when when you just allow when you just let yourself go on autopilot and your body does the rest. And and they have that that ability. And in addition to the you know spatial awareness and IQ. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They're special. I mean, you look back at that first goal and I rewatched it a couple times. Play is over to the left side. Stankoven wins the puck along the boards, flips it over to the right side. A hard charging Wyatt Johnston wins that puck. And where does he find Logan Stankoven going right to the net and the quickness of the release and the fact that in tight, he could put it over the right shoulder, so cross net over Gorgiev, I think was just so impressive. I mean, when you break that player, when you break that down, that was two players. And then you look at the size of Stankoven and the size of Wyatt Johnston, and that was just pure skill because these guys, it's not like they muscled off the puck, although Stankoven, man, those are tree trunks that guy has. Um, I, I'm really impressed um, with how he plants. And Craig and I were talking about it today, and I think Stankoven's an overall good player. But David, I'm telling you, he reminds me a lot of a healthy Brandon Gallagher, especially young in Gallagher's career. I think Stankoven's got a better skill set, but I just love his in-front net presence and the relentlessness that he has in the offensive zone. Do you know football very well? I hope so. I'm the home of the Cowboys. Well, I'm just curious. Like, <laughs> I didn't even think about that. I, I forget that. Uh, A little bit. Yeah, yeah. My guys know more. <laughs> um, when So when we talk about size, we're just talking about height. Like, I really want to, like, emphasize that because I'm curious. Was that a criticism of Barry Sanders when he was drafted? It was a criticism of Emmett Smith when he was drafted. Yes. Um, em Emmett was criticized for that. Um, good question on Barry. Um, but no, I, I don't think it was as much as it was from Edmund, uh, Emmett and Emmett ended up being just, you know, the durability was amazing. So yeah, I understand what you're saying. I think that's a, that's a, that's a great point. And especially in today's NHL, David, where, you know, the physicality has kind of dropped off a bit, you know, uh, five, eight, I'm not saying it's regular, but you know, the smaller players that have the high skill level. I mean, you know, God, I'll look it up. Austin Matthews. What is he? Six feet? Six foot three. No, Austin Matthews is like massive. Is he really? Yeah. Six foot three. The, wow, um, my bad. but you know, the, so, but like the funny thing to me though, is that like, like Stankoven is, and you, you saw this a lot in the AHL um, where it seemed like he kind of leveraged it more. Um, but um He's 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 somebody that willfully engages in contact. This is not a player that shies away from collision. Um, you know, he's 
he's thrown open ice hits before. And uh, and I'm almost positive that Miles Wood tried to knock him off the puck in center ice. And Miles Wood is a big guy. Miles Wood is a power forward. And uh, Stankoven not only held his ground, but kind of like uh, knocked Wood off balance a little bit, which kind of really. And of course, there was also the play against the Islanders where he's battling Alex Romanoff. For those who don't know, like Romanoff is not like a super tall guy, but he's a tank. And yeah. Stankoven was just toe to toe with him in the corners. And that's something that you're going to see really, really kind of uh, something that like is going to be a part of his game. That ability on the exterior of the ice, which is essential for the cycle, for forechecking, maintain, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And, and so I, I don't think there's anything that's going to hold Stankoven back other than maybe one of his line mates, <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> no, I understand what you're saying. By the way, you nailed it. Austin Matthews, my apologies, is six foot three. Perfect. Now, you know, if I, if I had an ego, my man, I would tell our great producer, Gregory Finley, and I would redo the sentence, you know, like Clayton Keller, for instance, he's five foot 10. <laughs> well, you know, to be to be fair, like he, Austin Matthews is definitely a player that does not play to his size. Yeah, like he's not physical. In fact, you know, you'll even hear Toronto fans complain about his lack of physicality. Um, and and yeah, I think if you were to watch him on the ice, you know, if if you didn't note, if you weren't looking for it, he would not look like a six foot three player. But um, yeah, but. no, it was a, it was, a, it was a great point. But you know, I mean. Remember when Martin St. Louis was playing and it was just so unique to see him um, or even like Tobias Enstrom playing defense um, oh, or Julius Honka. On, on the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well done. I, I'm yes. sorry. You're, you're making a really salient point and I just kind of ruined it. <laughs> Those are good players. Yeah, no, yeah. You're absolutely right. There are Ryan Rafalski. Yeah. All right. You know, I mean, there, there are those, you know, guys, I, I, like I said, I just love, I love his tenacity. And, you know, I think you brought this up before we started. I, I think it's a great point. Like it's tough watching them lose. It's tough watching them on a night like tonight. It's tough watching that defense, um, you know, kind of be walked through for the likes of McKinnon and, and, and other players, but at the same time, like, you know, I just I'm so enjoying the Logan Stankoven um, situation, and I am fascinated when Dodonov comes back. We don't know how long Tyler Sagan's not out, but I mean they're going to have to make a move, and um, it'll be interesting what they do. I mean they they can waive Joel Hanley. I mean, are they going to do that though? I mean, it's it's like as much as we feel like, well, we know exactly what needs to be done, and surely Jim Neal is going to do the right thing. You know, he's had opportunities before. <laughs> I, I, you know, if he keeps up this pace, you can't, right? You, you're, you're vying for the Central Division crown. You cannot send that player down. I, I mean, I, it just seems like, I think for Jim Neal, like the perspective is that, um, Jim Neal is a loyal guy, and and I think yep. I, I think he's he's just like in the same way, right? Even though like Ryan Sutter's had like a decent you know couple of games, yeah, he's still a player that listen like in a perfect world is is he replaced by somebody else on the roster? Yeah, probably. Is that ever going to happen? No. Um, 
Although I guess you could, you know, make the argument that like, you know, on the third pair, totally fine. And he has been, but, um, but I mean, if they're really looking at like, for example, like Noah Hannafin, uh, and, and guys like Nick Sealer, like they're, you know, the rumors at least have been like, you know, various like left shot defensemen. Um, wouldn't you want someone like, I don't know, Esselandell in the third pair and Hannafin on the second pair in a perfect world? I mean, it's, it's, these are things that are yeah. obviously like likely out of the realm of possibility, but if he wanted to do it, um, I feel like he could. And, and Dallas is one of the few teams that has the assets to really do whatever they want. That doesn't mean they're going to, uh, you know, we've already heard about kind of, you know, they're, you know, they, they still really love Ty Delandria. They feel like he's going to be part of the future. Um, even if he's a clear, I think, candidate to to uh, be cut, say, over like someone like um, – I, I don't – to be honest, like, see, I like Delandria, though, man. So it, this is tough for me to like sort of throw him under the bus. But also, like, I think Delandria is better than a few forwards that are probably going to stick around in this roster come playoff time. Yeah. But I don't know how we ended up here. No, um, I, I think it, I think it is fair. And, and – and... Uh, you know, it's interesting because I was thinking from the opposition point of view, because I think when I think in my head about trades, I'm not just thinking from the stars point of view, I'm thinking, okay, would the opposition want that player? And I was thinking about Nils Lundqvist and would a team, David, prefer a Nils Lundqvist over, let's say, a third round pick? I mean, I, I want to say yes, but it's also, it's hard to gauge because I, I feel like kind of, and I think we've seen this happen before, but, you know, a lot of these teams were looking at, you know, Nils Lundqvist during the draft, right? So everyone's familiar with him. Um, I, I think the question is how much of his treatment in Dallas has maybe kind of <laughs> devalued, yeah. you know, his, his status, I, I think, among other teams. Now, you could say, like, well, not really, because, hey, he got in a solid, you know, in this case, some solid games last season didn't play in the playoffs, but Hey, you know, he's a rookie. He's still learning. But then this year they sort of do the same thing. And I think that to me was the biggest mistake with the whole Lundquist drama, not, not to rehash it, but just that. I don't know if you're going to make decisions based on quote unquote business and, and ulterior motives, like, you know, keeping a veteran on your roster because it's a good story. Then, you know, what about sort of the business of business? Like why not keep a prospect in the lineup that way you have a better case to trade him because his value is at an all-time high and you can say hey look how much the coach trusts him isn't this yeah. a great asset <laughs> yeah no you, you're you're absolutely right all right let's look ahead um the winnipeg jets with a plus 41 goal differential they're four games in hand against the stars they're technically in first place right now in the central division and stylistically david it kind of things change up now you have a defensive prone team with uh uh what do you think top two top three goalie in the nhl and hellebuck this is going to be an interesting game at the aac on thursday night yeah top three i mean i would say it's hellebuck sorokin and shesterkin and yep. that's that's your holy trinity right there um yeah it's, it's funny like i feel like the even though, like, I would not be surprised if Dallas, Dallas gets blown out again, because because I do think they're they're on a little bit of a, a sort of a run where they've had quite a few games in a row, and and you know maybe being an older team that probably like maybe perhaps adds a little to that. But for the most part, I'm just not, and you know maybe a little bit is you know just 
I did not enjoy the bonus years very much. And, and there's, there's a little bit of an ax to grind, but I also just genuinely don't think Dallas is, is a bad matchup for Winnipeg. Not to say that, not to say that Winnipeg can't be like if Winnipeg won a seven game series or sweep Dallas, I honestly would not be surprised. Winnipeg is a solid, solid team. Um, No real weaknesses other than some of the roster management, (laughs) but uh, the, but I mean, to me, the reason why Dallas matches up well is that, well, it's, it's, you cannot play a not to lose overly defensive game. And, and it's I, I, like, I, when was the last time a goalie had to stand on their head to win a cup? Oh, wow. It's a, it's a great question. I mean, Aiden Hill played really well last year, but I don't think he stood on his head. Um, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that, it's great that they, you know, having an elite goaltender, obviously, you know, Hellebuck is, is fantastic, but it's very clear with Winnipeg where their power lies. And I think when that happens, I think that just makes the, um, I think that makes their, you know, their potential to go far just that much more fragile. Yeah. The last goaltender to win the con Smythe was Andre Vasilevsky. I mean, does that say something about voting or does it say something about performance? Um, good question. <laughs> I mean, not to listen, Vasilevsky is like an elite goaltender, yeah. a Hall of Fame. Uh, just, uh, but when I think of like Tampa Bay, I mean, honestly, it may be just because like I have a bias against goaltenders because they take the fun out of the game. But I think of like Braden Point and Victor Hedman. <laughs> I've never heard that goaltenders. I will say, I I will say, and I know he's not a star's favorite, but Jordan Bennington played awfully well uh, when. uh, Yes, that's, oh man, that's, I mean, but I I think he's like, I, well, I I don't want to say that. I mean, Jordan Bennington is just uh, an absolute lunatic. Um, So at least there's like so bad it's good value out of that. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be a tough one on uh, Thursday. Then you do get San Jose. Um, But. You know, they're certainly playing better hockey right now, but that's a a team you should beat. And I I did want to point out, it's kind of interesting because uh, I agree with you. Like tonight, and I told Stars this on the post game last night, um, which makes me think I've done three podcasts within 24 hours. (laughs) So, um, you know, I said Colorado's a bad matchup for these stars. I just don't like the matchup. And I agree with you. I like the matchup against Winnipeg. Winnipeg could come in Thursday and win the game. Um, but at the same time, I do like the matchup. And I like in the uh, couple times that they've played in Winnipeg, I thought the stars played really well. And for some reason, I was surprised Winnipeg did not put more pressure on the stars' D men. And the stars were kind of able to you know, flow out of their zone and get some of their speed going. So we'll see what happens on uh, on Thursday night. But also wanted to point out, because it's one of uh, Dallas's Central Division foes, uh, the Nashville Predators, David, winners of six in a row, they're now the second wildcard team right now. So pretty interesting, a team that was in the rebuilding um, phase with Barry Trotz and stuff. And a lot of people had question marks, but they're actually tied with the LA Kings for the top two, as far as wildcard standings. By the way, I just want to give you credit for being like so nice that you did not 
crack any sort of ironic smile or there was no shift in tone when you mentioned San Jose. Um, so, so I really want to give you props for that and, and kind of not using them as, as a punchline. Um, the, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, I, uh, Nashville is, it, Nashville is one of those like oddball teams where they're kind of, they're tact, tactically unique. Um, and even though they don't necessarily have star power, um, they're sort of just, you know, kind of your sort of garden variety, scrappy underdog. You really can't underestimate them. And yeah, Dallas like destroyed them last time, but that, that's certainly not the norm and certainly hasn't been the norm in that, that direct matchup for the last several years. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Okay, before you go, let's talk about your uh, sub stack. Uh, tell us how people can be involved and what kind of information you deliver on there. I mean, th they are here for you, Gavin. So we don't have to talk about the star stack. Oh, let's come talk on. About Deep Magazine, we don't have to. <laughs> Fine. <sighs> yeah, I mean, listen, you can. People can find me at the star stack where, right. um, where, you know, like my focus lately has really been a lot more film room analysis, which I, which I think is a lot of fun and it seems like people get a kick out of. So if you're somebody that like wants to kind of, um, rewatch <laughs> more hockey with some like pretentious musings about, um, hockey in general and hockey philosophy, the star stack is for you. Yes. So that's at Starstack, and anytime you can follow him at David Castillo AC and uh, give him a follow right now, Stars fans, because he's tweeting out great stuff all the time, and you want to support David. Yeah, I'm your hype man, man. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate it, and of course, uh, people can reach you where, Gavin. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> Every single day doing three podcasts <laughs> uh, at GJ Spittle is the best way to uh, reach me on, uh, on Twitter. Um, that's the, that's the best way with uh, any, any, any questions. And David, you saved me from raising my voice tonight. I'm a very calm person tonight because I wanted to be uh, very respectful of my guest. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, so it's an unfortunate loss, but we'll see how they do uh, Thursday night in uh, uh, against Winnipeg, should I say. My friend, thank you as always. You always bring out some great laughs. I appreciate you. I appreciate the compliment. You put me in a good mood. You put Stars fans hopefully in a good mood and you previewed Winnipeg. Heck of a job tonight, my man. Well, the feeling is genuinely mutual. And of course, um, you know, stick tap to Stars fans for Hopefully not melting down tonight, um, but because we got a stank open. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm with you. It's so interesting because I just can't highlight it enough. Like as frustrating as it is, like you watch him every shift, even down five to one. I'm watching him on the ice. Like it kept my attention. So like, you know, fascinating. And the fact that Pete DeBoer is like, yeah, I'm a fan. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I just don't know how they can pull the trigger. And I'm so fascinated to see what they're going to do in this playoff race at this juncture of the year with limited salary cap space, players coming back, trade deadline approaching. Man, we got some fun podcasts coming up. You're a beast, my friend. I will talk to you soon. All right. You have a great one. You too. For David Castillo, I'm Gavin Spittle. Thank you one and all for listening and supporting 
Uh, Spits and Suds on 105.3 The Fan as we near the midnight hour as we're taping this. And uh, we will be back on Thursday after the game, hopefully at two points against Winnipeg. Remember, Winnipeg right now, four games in hand. So those two points are extremely valuable as the season's coming down to the wire. And we'll bring you the action right here on Spits and Suds on 105.3 The Fan. Have a great day, everyone.